the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. We have in studio with us today the producer of Lifeline, Wanda Sanchez, along with her co-author, Shelley Beach. The book is called Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. You were mentioning, Shelley, before the break about the importance of taking time to grieve. Mm -hmm. To even acknowledge a sense of loss is something that oftentimes is part of that disconnect that prohibits healing from happening. And I think a lot of it goes back to the sense that we're, we're so used to being on the stage performing to get through in life because, after all, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I pastor a church. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I wasn't raised like that. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And yet those feelings are real, and the loss is real, and yet it's almost as if a parent or a loved one passes away. We do no funeral no memorial service. Mm-hmm. We don't post a notice in the newspaper. We don't have a grave to go and put flowers at. There's never any sense of acknowledgement. Right. And lacking acknowledgement, there's no way that you can ever get a sense of closure about that. Right. So is it true with trauma as well that there's just this huge disconnect? Yes. Because sometimes the grief of the lost innocence of childhood or, or whatever it might be is just unacknowledged. And there's so many facets and layers to that. I mean, the book gives you opportun- gives the reader opportunity to journal about some of those things. But even like, um, just I'll just bring this up because there are so many women that I know who struggle with this. But for instance, um, women who've had a, a sexual assault or, or multiple sexual assaults, whether they be same sex or, or the opposite sex or whatever, um, that will affect your marriage. That will definitely affect your marriage and intimacy. But yet, it's I've never heard it addressed from the pulpit. I've never heard any pastor preach about That's it. True. Even pa- even in churches where I've been, where they talk about um, intimacy and marriage and sex and marriage, I've never really heard that issue talked about. And yet, yet twenty five percent of women will experience a sexual assault at some point in their life. So, it there is a loss there. That is going to affect women just in that in that sense, and in so many other senses. Let's say your parents were incarcerated. Um, there are going to be things that you're going to. Lo- who's coming to your concerts? Who's going to your baseball games? You know, who's teaching you certain things? You know, um, there are layers of loss that are there. Who, uh, were your siblings separated? Were they together? Um, and and those some of those things she just said, if they're happening to you, you as a kid, you you feel double failure, double everything. If you if you're torn away from your family, then you're torn away from your siblings, then you're put in a place that, you know, it's called something like the home for unwanted children. What a great name, huh? <laughs> you know, then you're just like you have more stuff. You know, you're you're responsible for the failure of your family, and you know. Even if you're only six. Well, not only does this paint then a bleak picture in terms of being able to address your past, your history, but makes your future look pretty bleak too, doesn't it? I mean, in other words, if you come through that kind of environment, 
you've never seen a healthy marriage modeled. You right. don't know right. what it looks like right, right. for dad to come home and mom to say, honey, I miss you. Give me a big right. kiss. Dinner's yeah. waiting. The kids are here. You've never seen that. Now you move on and you eventually right. get married because that's what adults do. Yes. But you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like because there never was one in your past. And so therefore, there'll never be one in your future either because you don't know how to behave. That's right. right. No one's and modeled it. And just in... Just in the health realm, I just want to touch on this because so many people don't know. Kaiser Permanente did a, a study on adverse childhood effects, and they, they laid out 10 different adverse childhood experiences that you could have when you're young. Like uh, subs, if there was substance abuse in the home, if there was a parental separation or divorce, mental illness, uh, uh, if the mother was beaten or, or abused, if there was criminal behavior in the home or psychological abuse, physical abuse, emotional neglect or physical neglect. So those are kind of the 10 categories. And then they developed a home affair and they did a longitudinal study over a period of many, 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 many years. And they said, basically, if you experience four of those in your lifetime, 25 years off your life equates to 25 years off wow. your life. Just I know the sheer stress. Just the sheer stress. And what it does to your immune system, what it does to um, it, it, what the, where it puts you in terms of risk of heart, heart disease, um, stroke, diabetes, every other thing. So I know many, many people who fall into the categories here of of all 10 mm-hmm. or nine multiple times. You know, I might, I myself have just experienced a few of these, but I've experienced them multiple times. Um, so just the, just the physical effects of what is happening. And we, we wanted to write the book because a lot of people don't know why they feel a certain way or why they can't get out of the cycle. Um, one of the words that Wanda used was stuck. She felt mm-hmm. stuck. And um, when we talk about this, wherever we are in churches, people are almost standing up and going, I never knew, I never knew. And this will give resources in the back just about PTSD, but it gives hope about the fact that you can be healed and comfort from God. Comfort from God. (laughs) And I would suspect that many eavesdropping on this conversation right now are also having that aha moment mm-hmm. yes. yep. with a spouse or a, a loved child. one well, or a child. We have spoken in places, many conferences where literally parents are standing up. She said that on purpose because standing up in the middle of us speaking and crying saying, thank you. Thank you. Finally, for the first time. And, you know, that happened a they few times. The lights the go on. It's awesome when the lights go on. You know, your, 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 your husband is cranky, seems to get angry over the most yes. minuscule Rage. things. Mm-hmm. Dinner is five minutes late. The potatoes were not hot enough, you know? Yep, that's true. And flies into this rage and, okay, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. There's an overreaction here. What is going on? Right. And neither you nor your spouse understand the impact of events that have happened so far back that is now built up and built up and it's layer upon layer of anger and resentment and And mistrust if i can mention there's also we've we know these people actually personally and there are many more again we've run into people in conferences that have said oh my goodness that happened to me or my son or whatever Medical trauma, pre-verbal medical trauma. Uh, Over 30 years ago when um, babies would have surgery, 35 years ago, 40, doctors for some reason did not believe babies could feel pain. So guess what? 
babies had surgery without anesthetic back then. So we know someone that had had been removed from his mother at birth and flown to a hospital and had, um, a, what is it called? A, a, an esophageal fistula. So something here, he had to have multiple surgeries over, like in a few days time. Bless his little heart, all that without anesthesia. Didn't know any of this. Did, no, no one had a clue. So years later, he's 20 years old. He's never been able to, to keep himself together. His parents and the rest, his other siblings are perfectly fine, wonderful Christian home. This kid never, he just could not ever cope. He'd been diagnosed with ADHD and every other thing that you could be diagnosed with as a child, you know, because of performance totally issues. Totally non-social. He ended up as a young man, 21, 22 years old, as a shepherd at a monastery because they thought, well, maybe you can handle the sheep, you know. Couldn't. Whatever happened, he didn't. It didn't help him there. The monastery actually said, you got to take your son when he's very sick. They ended up saying, we don't know what's wrong with him. It took him to this place that I went. That's how we found out about it. And which is not, it's not even in existence anymore uh, as a clinic. So we're not trying to push the clinic. Um, But he went in, they just started talking to him about just everything. You know, do you remember anything from your birth? They go back and they talk to him about his, his trauma, not even knowing anything about they certainly didn't know, the mother and the son, that it was going to be something like, you know. But he started to identify and familiar things about the surgeries and the feelings. And you know what? In five days, this man was set free from a lifetime of craziness. It was his story that prompted me um, to recommend the treatment center that Wanda went to, which I've got to tell you, on day three, I there was a whole new person who walked out of that that place it was phenomenal the changes that i saw but um the the treatment that that treatment center offered is still available and now they're tra- doing online training for therapists and also you can go online and just as a person a lay person it's very right brain orient oriented a lot of writing a lot of art a lot of um you know, accessing the right brain and getting it hooked back up with the left side. And that's not and, um, something that you necessarily need to go to a clinic for. You can do that yourself. Yeah, there are a lot of things. Do we have to give ourselves permission, though, to understand that it takes time to unwind yes, this absolutely. big ball It's a ball of yarn, yep. <laughs> yes. That we have gone through this yeah. years yes. ago, that we have been coping with it in the only way that we knew how. Yep. Maybe we didn't yes. even realize that we were coping with it. We Most were just trying to... Yeah survive and now to come back out of it this is not as if and I and I say this because I'm going to get in trouble with some listeners here but why not <laughs> people say well I but I went to church and I and I prayed and I accepted people Jesus and I read right. the Bible and I would people pray from the pastor came and anointed me with oil and right. why am I still feeling like this and we feel as if somehow we're looking for a spiritual answer one quick flip a switch answer right that fails to recognize the cumulative impact right. of the years of the trauma itself, of the coping mechanisms yes. that have failed us. Yes. Of an adrenal system that got totally destroyed and is now, it's the adrenal system is... I don't have one. ...so destroyed, yeah, that it affects every area of the body. Let's pause for a moment. We're going to come back to more of our conversation. Some closing comments. Shelly Beach, Wanda Sanchez, Love Letters from the Edge. Information about the book at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to the conversation. With me today in studio, the executive producer of Lifeline, Wanda Sanchez. She and her co-author, Shelley Beach. A new book out called Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. Newly released by Kriegel Publications. You can get more information about the book online at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. The big question for many... Who at a level know I have problems with relationships? I feel trapped sometimes. There are days that when night comes, I'm terrified. For other people, when day comes, they're terrified. Mm -hmm. I know there's something going on here. And I've tried the self-talk. And much of it is all negative and reinforcement of all the lies. Where do I start? The big question for everybody who, in the course of our conversation here today, has said, "Aha, uh-huh, that's me you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's my husband you're talking about. You just described my daughter. Mm-hmm. How do we start this process of healing? Well, first of all, let me just say that there is the most... I don't know if you've looked at it, the most amazing back section of this book. Lots of resources. Lots of resources. One that addresses that question in particular, where do I start? We wanted this book to be a resource for people who just don't know what to do and where to go. So we included resources in the back, um, places that treat trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, um, all kinds of questions about the basics of PTSD and trauma, and what do I do, where do I start, Um, I think the most important thing is just to sit down and and kind of inventory your life. Have you experienced those big T traumas in your life? And have you seen some of the symptoms? And Wanda, just talk about some of the symptoms of PTSD. And also, I was going to add to that, uh, have a friend that you trust. Yes. Someone that you trust, because it's not going to be fun or easy uh, doing it all by yourself. It's not even actually recommended. You can, but... The whole thing is to try and, you know, not do the same things you've always done, which is mostly probably be solitary and, you know. Let me jump in here and get in trouble again. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't always necessarily mean running to your pastor. Oh, no, no, no. And I say that with all the love in my heart. Yes, absolutely. Most pastors are ill-equipped. Yes. For any of this. Sadly, yes, that's true. Sometimes right. pastor will say, well, let's just pray about it. And we'll bring it up in prayer at church on Sunday that... Retraumatizes the individual. Right, so right. I, I'm not saying it, right. if your church has facilities, right. people, right. ministries that specifically deal and speak to this. Right. Yay! Absolutely. Yes. And if they not, if they don't, just be cautious. Right. Be cautious. And there are there is help out there. There is help out there. And we again we give a lot of that in the book. Yes. What was that? What question was I? Well. <laughs> I just wanted to comment on the fact that I'm a diabetic. I also have multiple sclerosis, and I go to specialists in multiple sclerosis and diabetes. I've had brain surgery. I had a doctor who was a specialist, a neurosurgeon who did my brain surgery. And my my mental health is an area that deals with my brain, and my brain um, responds based on chemicals and electrical responses, and, and there's a biochemistry element there that is part of PTSD and trauma and mental health. And so I have utmost respect for my pastor, and I, I've talked to him about all kinds of issues, including this. But when it comes to treatment... I need to go to someone who understands my brain just the way my medical specialists understand 
the rest of my organs in my body. Yeah, people seem to forget that, you know, it's a muscle, <laughs> you know, and it's just like if I hurt any other muscle, it's, it's not any different than being treated by that doctor for that muscle. So it's a very are, complex and, organ. And, and, and as you <laughs> mentioned here from the very get-go, there are intellectual aspects of this. There yes. are emotional aspects yes. of this. There are definitely spiritual, um, aspects. spiritual aspects of Absolutely. this, to be sure. There's also um, physiological aspects right. of this that gets into, as you said before, the endorphins mm-hmm. that come from the body's attempt to try to deal with the trauma in the moment Absolutely. and all of that stuff. Now, all of a sudden, we've moved from talking to our priest or our pastor to talking to our medical doctor. And the other thing I want to mention about the book, so that people are not scared off, this is not a clinical book in the sense that you're thinking, oh my God, 500 pages, and it's written by a (laughs) professor, and this is very (laughs) difficult. This book is very approachable, and it's written in bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. so that you can come to it. Don't feel like you've got to write... 50 pages to get through the first chapter. No, no, no. You can work through this page by page, segment by segment. And if you say, gee, you know, I have all these questions. It's not just about finding the answers, but I have all these questions, and I don't know where to begin. I don't know what questions to ask. The book helps you do that, too. That's true. And the book also, I think most importantly, helps you get reengaged with the truth-telling, Wanda, that you were talking about earlier. And directly with the one who is capable of doing the most about it, from whom we are typically the most disconnected, and that is God himself. Absolutely. And if you say, as sometimes people that have gone through traumatic experiences do, is that I am so frustrated here. You say, pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't Mm -hmm. know where to begin. Right. 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 This book can help you reignite your prayer life, that communication with God in very honest ways truth-telling ways. Right. And Wanda, you said it earlier, we deny it all the time, but God's got big shoulders. He can handle he it all. Can, absolutely. And that was my, again, another thing that held me back from just tell, just telling the truth, you know. And when I was able just to say it out loud and, and how I felt about it, when they say truth will set you free, they are not kidding. Mm. For the, I had never experienced that before. But that's when I started to sleep through the night, and I didn't even know that. I didn't see the results as quickly as she did. People often think that if they, if, they, if they speak this out loud, they're going to relive the trauma, and therefore they're making things worse by speaking the truth. In reality, continuing with the lie or continuing mm-hmm. to stuff it down, mm-hmm. that's what's and creating remember, the problem. You don't have to speak the trauma. You have to speak the truth. You mm-hmm. never have to talk about the trauma ever again to recover from it. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it doesn't have anything to do with talking about it, and that's why a lot of people go through life spending 25 years in traditional therapy, mm-hmm. and then 10 days in a setting of not really having to talk or cry or forgive. This has nothing to do with any of that. It's just about brain work, engaging the left and the right side of the brain. That allows me then to go, oh, God, you're not that big, mean, ugly. That, it kind of clears my vision. Mm-hmm. One thing that you we know? haven't touched on that, that I want to have you both address the central focus of the Christian message, of course, is forgiveness, reconciliation with God. And we see so much talked about in Scripture about God forgiving us, the work of Christ on the cross, that God might forgive us, that we should not carry aught against another, but we should forgive. I've looked, I don't see any passages that teach me how to forgive myself. And if I spend a lifetime blaming myself and accepting the lies... 
Wow, how do I do that? How do I forgive myself? Well, there's silence here, so I'll I'm fill still it. trying to learn that one. But. I'll fill it. I think. Well, I think it's a lifetime job. Yeah. I think that because I think that's the one greatest way that Satan wants to defeat us and beat us up. Um, and so, every day, my ability to forgive myself rests in the fact that I trust that I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. And what he sees me to be, because I, I see imperfection, I see that I fail, but I don't have to strive. I just have to every day give up. Get I get up to 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 glorify God that day, and um, I have to believe that I am I am that that perfect daughter that that beautiful daughter of Christ because Jesus died for me, and I'm not going to diminish what He did by wasting my time. You know, living in shame or with guilt. And, and so, what a relief it can be to finally come to that point, to be able to rest in that point, saying, you know, I've, I've spent an entire lifetime compensating by trying to be perfect, trying to not make mistakes. And yet when I make them, then I beat myself up even more because that, that compensatory methodology is not working suddenly mm-hmm. again. And to realize, guess what? And God sees you in all your imperfection, too. And he has provided a means by which... You get to get off the hook. Yeah. Yep. You're no That's longer right. responsible. And I think maybe as we, to maybe in part answer my own question, we begin to understand more about forgiving ourselves as we draw closer to beginning to understand God's desire and willingness mm-hmm. to forgive us. It's not yes. just that through Christ we can have forgiveness as an experience, but that the whole purpose of Christ's death on the cross yeah. was to have that available to us and experiencing that grace and being able to apply that grace of what he has shown toward us and say, wow, if he's let me off the hook, Mm -hmm. if he's forgiven me, then it's got to be a lot easier job for me to do than I ever imagined. And and that's a particular place of of battle right there, too, because once you once you understand (laughs) that, you know, Satan, the blowhard doesn't really have anything that he can hold over your head he doesn't want you to get that message right of course <laughs> you know so so that's a hard place to get to but once you understand that that's that the truth will set you free mm-hmm. oh that's glorious that, that liberation yeah. is one that it's it, it's, it's there's you never, not you never any stop other celebrating that no. do you no yeah. you really don't that's right nope. the yep. book is a good place to start and as wanda has mentioned there are tons of resources available inside of the book there are also tons of resources available at ptsdperspectives.org that's ptsdperspectives.org that long journey begins with the first step, as all do. And so I hope in what you've heard today, either for yourself or for a loved one, that you or you can encourage them to take that first step on the road to healing and restoration and experience and wholeness. And if you've spent a lifetime convincing yourself you're not worthy, 
I think from what you've heard from both Shelley and Wanda today, the good news is, oh, yes, you absolutely are. Absolutely. absolutely. Love Letters from the Edge, Meditations for Those Struggling with Brokenness, Trauma, and the Pain of Life. Again, more information about the book and many of the resources that we've discussed today available on the web at ptsdperspectives.org. That's ptsdperspectives.org. I want to thank both of our guests for being with us today. And uh, Wanda, go produce a radio show. Would you? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Thanks again. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Gary Beckner joins us now, Executive Director of the Association of American Educators. And I understand a, a new survey out, uh, cooperation between Gallup and Phi Delta Kappa, looking at the state and perception of public school education and the public teachers in America. Give us some of the, the highlights, if you would, Gary. Did, did we learn a lot about changing attitudes or changing perceptions based on the, uh, the experiences in places like Wisconsin and Ohio? Oh, we have. And by the way, Craig, thank you very much for allowing us to be on the air with you. We appreciate it. Even though we're the fastest growing national organization of our kind, we're probably still the best kept secret, too. So this is a thrill to be on the air with you. Uh, yeah, the Phi Delta Kappa Gallup survey, it's, it just came out this week, uh, indicates what we as an organization have known for quite a while uh, from our own surveys, that Americans um, are getting very frustrated with, and unfortunately, they, they're getting frustrated with teachers but that is misdirected, that anger, because the the Gallup survey actually kind of underscored what we know and that Americans really continue to support their teachers, but not their teacher unions. And that disconnect is really giving teachers a black eye. Uh, the survey showed that 71% of respondents said that they have trust and confidence in American teachers still. However, when asked about the teacher unions, only 47% Actually, 47% say they believe the unions have hurt education, compared to only 26% believing that unions have helped education. So we've got to work hard to separate uh, this synonymous this uh, connection of unions and public education and get back to just uh, teachers and helping teachers to do what we do best. Do you think there's a level at which the, the black eye that has come and again i agree with you i think a lot of the anger the frustration has been misdirected but do you think there's a level gary that a, a degree to which the black eye that has been given to education by the unions uh, is, is deservedly sure absolutely when when you just follow the the takeover of public education by the unions uh, since 19 or the mid 1960s on i mean i, I just want to go back for a second even even then, when it started to happen, when the unions started taking over public education, uh, even leaders of the NEA thought that was a bad idea. I mean, in a, in a Nostradamus uh, moment in 1968, the former NEA executive secretary, uh, Dr. Bill Carr, William Carr, warned the convention members at the NEA convention that this would someday lead to to, to to destroy the confidence of the public in, in education. Well, i got to tell you, because, and, I, and I asked that question, uh, Gary, not, not to necessarily throw uh, stones, but uh, years ago I obtained a copy of a publication that was produced by the NEA and the California Teachers Association entitled Guidelines for Academic Freedom in the Public Schools. And when I read what the union thinks about conservatives and uh, those that are concerned about getting their children a, a quality-based education that still protects the, 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 the mores of the family uh, and who the union considers to be their enemy. I was appalled. 
And I thought, you know, you're, you're painting the majority of the parents that send their kids to your schools as the enemy here, uh, and they're not the enemy. If anything, I think the perception by a lot of parents who really understand the agendizing of education that's been perpetrated by the unions as, as the unions being the real enemy of both teachers and students in education. Absolutely. There, there is so much evidence just following. There's a wonderful book written by Dr. Um, Dennis Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y, of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, some, some years back. He was working in the uh, Reagan administration, I believe. Could have been, could have been a George Bush Sr., but I think it was Reagan. And he, did, he just was flabbergasted when he started uh, coming up against some of the education reform initiatives that the Department of Education was trying to put out and then seeing the pushback from the, from the NEA in particular. The AFT was there as well, pushing back. But he started investigating the history of why they would be so against reforms that would be in the best interest of teachers and especially kids. And he discovered that they have an agenda that has nothing to do with educating our children and has very little to do with actually protecting and helping our teachers. It's all about changing, transforming this country from a republic into a socialist nation. And if you and you you think we overspeak this, but we can give you the booklets and we can show you from our own research, actual document that we produce called Powerful Failure, how the National Education Association fails to use its influence for education to show you that their agenda has nothing to do with education and very little to do with helping teachers. Oh, I tell you what, uh, Gary, you're preaching to the choir here. I don't think you overspeak it. If anything, I might suggest maybe you underspeak it. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the agenda that is promoted by the unions that actually is sole and separate from the agenda supported by most, you know, rank and file teachers are, are miles apart. You know, it's interesting because I have long believed that, that education is a partnership, that it ought to be a, a dual responsibility between the parents and the teachers. I don't think that parents ought to just dump their kids on uh, public educators and expect them to come back, you know, after a six or seven hour study day. Uh, brilliant. Uh, there's no accountability. There's no effort put in oftentimes by parents today. And I think that's a dirty shame. And I think the poor performance numbers that we're seeing in many of our schools across the country, the, the responsibility of which needs to be borne out by both the teachers and the parents. That said, I have often wondered why so much pushback by the unions. Hello, CTA, are you listening? Why so much pushback by the unions to create any kind of system of accountability? i got to tell you, one of the most dangerous things, I think, to public education or the success thereof today is this whole idea of tenure and the idea that just by the amount of time in service, you somehow magically reach the location or, or, or the position in your scholastic career as an educator where you're now exempt from any level of accountability that you no longer ought to fear a lack of performance uh, you know that doesn't happen in the private sector if I don't perform at my job the boss will come in one day and say you got to straighten up and fly right or guess what there's 10 other talk show hosts sitting behind you that'd be happy to have your job why do the unions think that teachers ought to be exempt from that level of accountability well, Craig, uh, you'll be first of all. You'll be happy to know that it's the union's agenda. It's not necessarily a teacher's agenda. I, our own surveys have indicated that our membership, which you have to understand, our members would be people that are looking for an alternative, a professional alternative to labor unions. So they would have a different point of view. But these are top teachers. These are national teachers of the year. These are good people, and they would agree that our our last survey showed that seventy three percent 
of uh, our members thought that the Colorado policy, the new policy for teachers in that state, where teachers can lose tenure if they're deemed ineffective for two consecutive years, our guys, by a vast majority, thought that's a good idea. I mean, there's, there should be no job for life, especially if it has nothing to do, especially if you're a poor performer. I mean, it's just, so you'll be happy to know that many, many, many teachers agree with that. Well, I know that some that have told me and confided in me privately have said, you know, uh, there's, there's nothing worse for our profession than those who are tenured, who have given up who maybe should never have been in the profession in the first place, and as a result of their protected status by the unions, ultimately drag everybody down. You know, that notion of one bad apple ruins the whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, the union's job is to protect jobs. That's their job. And their their goal uh, is to make sure that uh, legislatively across the country, as in California, this is a constant battle in states across the country, 27 states in this nation the unions, like in California, are allowed to take dues from teachers' paychecks, whether the teachers want to have be represented by that union or not. See, I'm I'm comfortable with the role of unions in collective bargaining and protecting you know teachers' rights and teachers' benefits and and you know uh, work labor uh, labor hours and things of that sort. I'm fine for all of that. Uh, my problem, Gary, is when the so-called interests of the union or interests of the teachers are now running contrarian to what is in the best interest of the parents and their students because in the end teachers have to realize these kids don't belong to you and the minute you think that you've got so-called academic freedom to begin teaching a standard or a moral that runs contrary to what is taught in my household we got a big problem that's right well change is only going to come when enough of america's teachers wake up to the fact that being inextricably linked to labor unions will never allow them to get the kind of respect and rewards they seek and, and Put it another way, here's the bottom line. Teachers will never get the pay they deserve if they continue to be linked with organized labor. All right, I want you to stop on that for a moment, Gary, because I have got the 64,000, oh, it's more than that. It's got so many zeros behind it. The question is unbelievable. I have a question for you that I have yet to have a professional educator ever be able to answer for me. Maybe it's going to be a first here on Lifeline. We're talking with Gary Becker, Executive Director of the Association of American Educators. Bit of a different tone, as you perhaps detect, from what has been the typical dialogue with representatives of the CTA or the NEA for some inexplicable reason who will no longer come on this program. Don't know why. We'll, t- <laughs> we'll see if Gary's still on the line when we come back after the... Nah, he's brave. I'll be good to you, Gary. But I got a question I think you'll find fascinating. Let's come back with more of our conversation right around the corner and now back to lifeline with craig roberts gary beckner with us executive director of the association of american educators all right gary did i lose you no i'm here you're still there i'm brave you're a brave man gary all right here here multiple choice here is the question that uh multiple presidents of the california teachers association on this program have refused or been unable to answer um and we even had a spokesperson from the nea the national level uh not not answer either all we ever hear when we talk about budget cuts and trying to manage the budget in a state like california for example 50 cents out of every dollar goes to education 
Okay? So if we have a $110 billion budget this year, $55 billion is going singularly to education. We think about everything the state of California does, and 50 cents out of every dollar goes to education. And then our kids cross the the stage there when they receive their diploma and can't even read the diploma. We know something's wrong. Here's my question for you. California, on average, and, and, and we're going to be generous, kind of work with me here for a moment with the numbers, Gary. California, on average, is spending about $10,000 per student. Can we agree to that? Yes. And on average, most classrooms have about about 30 students. Would you agree? Little less, than little that. less than that, but 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 ballparkish. Yeah. All right. So if it's ten thousand per students and about thirty, st- let's, let's tell you what we'll go with a smaller number. We'll say twenty five students. So ten thousand dollars per student and twenty five students per classroom. That means twenty two hundred and fifty thousand dollars by my math. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Would I be overly generous, Gary, if I said that? $50,000 was going to the educator's salary? Uh, that's low for California. That's low for California. All right. So what are they making? 60000 64 average. 64000 Yep, average. Uh, all right, 64000 So let, let, let's let's just take it over the top. We're, we're going to say uh, approximately uh, after we've paid the teacher, who's earning an average of about $64,000, we'll do some round numbers here, uh, $185,000 of the 250000 per classroom that we began with is left over. Can you explain to me where is that money going? So this is a true-false question, or this is you actually want to know where the money is? I want to know where the money is going, because I have yet, even Jack O'Donnell, our former uh, superintendent of public instruction, when I challenged him on this thing, I said, you were constantly asking for more money. Our teachers are typically underpaid for what they have to put up with, the hours that they put in, and the vast responsibility that they have. Look, I think most of you ought to be paid $100,000 a year, no questions asked. But then, as we're constantly hearing the unions beg for more money, more more money, more money, more money. I've got to wonder where is all of this money going? If it's not going to the teachers, and in many areas of the state, we own the buildings outright, how are we managing to spend $185,000 per classroom that's not going to the teachers? Okay, well, I, I've got an answer for you, but it was a long question, so you have to give me a, a minute to develop it. All yours. Okay. First of all, let me tell you that as an educator organization, uh, we would agree uh, we obviously agree that an educated public is the most important factor in maintaining our republic. Uh, so we would agree that to pour, we would agree to pour more money into the system if, and here's the big caveat, if it could be guaranteed that that money would actually reach the classrooms for teachers' salaries and student materials and, and conditions, et cetera, and not be gobbled up by the bureaucratic blob controlling our public education system today. Now, let me give you an example by way of New Jersey, a new film, what's happening, which underscore what's happening in California and where that money goes. In New Jersey, there was a new uh, documentary that just came out on the heels of another great documentary called Waiting for Superman, uh, and this one's called The Cartel. And it shows what's happening in New Jersey, which is absolutely a, correlate, a, a you know, corollary with what's happening in California and in other large uh, states uh, where the unions are holding sway. And that is, it showed that there are over 400 school administrators in Newark, one city, 
that made at least $100,000 a year. 400 administrators in Newark that made at least $100,000 a year. Not one teacher made $100,000 a year. So this whole system is so upside down that the money goes into a black hole, but it's kind of an inverted pyramid, and it stays at the top. By the way, these union leaders that never will come on, they won't talk about this either because these are some of the highest paid guys in the state. And that's off the backs of teachers' dues, which comes out of taxpayer money as well, as you know. So the money goes down a black hole, and it's called the bureaucratic blob. We have more administrators in jobs doing nothing. We don't even make some of these administrators even step foot in the classroom and teach anymore. That are It's just like our United States government. We have... What was it? By the year 2025, there are going to be more people in the Department of Agriculture than there are going to be farmers. Well, that's what's happening to our public education system today. Let me interrupt you, Gary, and say what a breath of fresh air. You have done. You've gone where no man has dared to go before. You have finally. I knew the answer, by the way. I was waiting for an educator to finally have the guts to articulate the answer. California, and this is not real recent information, but some of the research that we have done, when you look at the layers of bureaucracy, as we have, you know, the local board of of education, and then we got the state board of education, and then we got the feds on top of that, and everybody having something to say, on average, we're looking at three people collecting a salary in the state of California attached to education for every one actual educator in the classroom. Yeah. And I tell you what, Gary, that's not wrong. That's criminal. It is criminal. And the fact that you've got administrators that are these these glorified paper pushers right. that add nothing, not one iota of quality to a child's education. Sorry for those of you that do it and are listening right now. You can send me the hate email later. Not one adding one iota of a caliber of education in the classroom to any of our kids. You know what? I tell you. I could free up money to increase teacher salaries overnight. We would deal with the lack of school materials and books and and overcrowded classrooms overnight. I would go through and lock, stock, and barrel. Number one, we don't need three letters of administrators telling the teachers what to do. Look, let a local school board make the decisions. The state level, the feds, goodbye. You're out of business, gone. And this whole idea of three administrators for every one classroom teacher, flip that around. If you flip it around, I'm okay with that. I wish that your colleagues would have the guts to go publicly with this crime that is being perpetrated on taxpayers and parents and students and pull back the covers you just did now here on radio and 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 let everybody know that what is fundamentally wrong with education today is the stranglehold the unions have on the teachers and the stranglehold that the bureaucracy has on education. I couldn't have said it better, and apparently it's a good answer. So do I get $64,000? You know what? If if you work with us to get more people educated in this arena, Gary, absolutely, and then some. Hey, we're out of time. I want to have you back on, Gary. I'm sorry we're out of time here. We're going to get you scheduled on earlier next time on the program. Um, I like this organization. And finally, somebody that knows how to tell the truth. American Association of Educators, aaeteachers.org. If you're a teacher, find out more about them. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.